0: If you would have told me that starting a podcast about death would have resulted in me sneaking into a graveyard late at night I, I would believe you. I would 100% believe you. Okay, here's the deal. I'm on my way to go to a local graveyard to suss it out. To me, this is like apartment hunting but for eternal life. And I already did this once before, and full disclosure, I lost the recordings. They, you could say they died. Okay, no, we're not doing that. But they, uh, it didn't work. And I decided to re record. But in an effort to do that, I had to make it more interesting for myself because I couldn't do it again. It was just too much of a chore. So I decided to go at night. What is up, um, Imagine? Hi, welcome to the pod. If you're new here, I'm comedian Sam Sereza, and this podcast is my death plan in audio form. I'm not planning on dying anytime soon, and neither are any of us, but seeing as I could die at, sensibly at any time, I'm planning just in case and learning about all things death and dying while in the process. So come along with me and prepare to die. In this episode, we're talking graveyards, cemeteries, and burials, and I try and find a resting place for all of eternity. It's the greatest search for an apartment a millennial has ever undergone. Have you ever tried recording a podcast with a cat snoring in your lap? Welcome back to the podcast. Last week, we covered my will. We discovered that most things I wanted in my will could quite easily be integrated. For example, our wonderful lawyer told me if I wanted my body to be on display in my home as part of a pseudo museum of my life after I died, his idea, not mine, that could be arranged if I wanted to burden my loved ones, and I do. We also discovered that if we put something racist in our will, like say you want a scholarship for only white students to be made in your name, the law doesn't have to follow through with that promise, which is nice to hear. And being white is a scholarship. Anyway, I digress. So now to answer one of the most important questions to the question of one's own death. That sentence doesn't make sense. Anyway, who wrote this? Me. Now to answer one of the most important questions when it comes to one's own death. In 2020, a TikTok trend went viral. It involved people, TikTokers, transitioning from a schleppy outfit to one that showed a lot of skin, to the audio of Megan Thee Stallion singing (laughs) body-oddy-oddy-oddy-oddy-oddy-oddy. And that got me thinking, what will happen to my body when I die? If we take a look at burial practices from around the world, from different countries and religious backgrounds, we have a smorgasbord of options. Okay, maybe a buffet is not the right metaphor when dealing with human remains, but a lot of options nonetheless. In Tibet, Buddhist monk put their dead on platforms open to the sky to be eaten by vultures and other animals. Sometimes their dead are laid in a field surrounded by rocks. By the time the dogs and other animals animals eat their body, only an outline of the rocks remain. This represents the persistence of one's soul. The Yanomami of the Amazon eat their dead as a form of deep respect and a way to recycle energies and heal. The Sagada people in the Philippines and parts of China hang their dead, the coffins of their dead, on the sides of cliffs so that they may be closer to the sky and the heavens. During a ceremony called the turning of the bones, people living in the highlands of Madagascar take the bodies of their loved ones out from their tombs and dance with their caskets held upon their shoulders. On some islands in Indonesia, the family live with dead relatives for weeks to years before laying them to rest. The bodies are dressed, they're given food, and sometimes sleep in bed with the living family members. Fu Ho, a well-known monk in China, was honored by having his body mummified and covered in gold leaf. Now, that's the start. If you, like me, don't practice a religion, maybe what happens to your body when you die doesn't really matter so much to you? Well, it turns out as far back as ancient Greece, one philosopher held the same belief. Oh, that's my cat. Hi. The philosopher Diogenes was the father of cynic philosophy, something I know nothing about, and yet feel like I have ascribed to for a lifetime. He was known for doing a whole lot of weird things in his rebellion towards tradition, like sleep in a giant clay pot and carry around a lamp in the daytime. It said when people said, what are you looking for? He was like, I'm looking for a man, which we think kind of just translates to like looking for an honest man. So he's very angsty, like performatively, like holding up a lit lamp in the daytime, you know. So Diogenes, in his individual fashion, told his friends and followers just to toss his body over the city wall and let the dogs have at it. Now, that's a guy ready for death, but he was also known to shit and masturbate in the street. So there's that. Maybe we shouldn't take his advice. He had this thing about uh, nothing can be done in private. Anything that is done in private, he believes should be done in public. So maybe not one to kind of ascribe to. But maybe I could be a little more graceful than Diogenes' method. Out of respect for my loved ones and my own memory, I should probably have a plan for my body that's a little more in-depth than leave me on the curb with the organics and yard waste. Okay. Parking is weirdly hard to find around a graveyard at night, so I'm kind of far away. But when I was looking for a spot, I found a road that led to the wall that goes up against the graveyard. And I got a sneaky idea to try and sneak in. Okay, I'm fucking jumpy. Okay, someone's cat just skipped the living frickin' daylights out of me. You know, I said I was bored during this pandemic. Okay, there's literally another black cat near a fence that I wanna... This is creepy. I'm... I'm creeped out. It's really a black cat staring at me and I was gonna go up to a fence that I could maybe climb, but now I'm scared. Okay, we're just going to go around to the front. Okay, we're approaching the front of the graveyard. There's also this like windowless bell telecom building next to the graveyard. Guys, I don't know. The vibes are off. The vibes are so off. Oh, there's barbed wire around the graveyard. Okay, I mean I guess that makes sense. It's fully barbed wire. Oh, Humans have been performing ritual and burying their dead since as long as anthropologists can prove. Some of the earliest humans left red ochre, which is essentially iron oxide that's used in a lot of paints and early prehistoric paintings and stuff like that and wildflowers on their deceased. It's impossible to know what these early people thought of death or the afterlife. As in, why did they lay those things down on their dead? Out of mourning? Was it out of protection for the afterlife? Or some form of remembrance for their dead? We have no written word or proof of that time, so we'll never know. But we do know it was for something. There was obviously some intent. In death and the dead body, there was significance. And we've seen this throughout history and would stay that way for hundreds of years, places for the dead away from city centers until the Middle Ages, when all of humankind decided to forget everything we knew about everything for reasons that historians please still don't know. Did you know that? We don't know why we entered the Dark Ages. Kind of makes you think about 2020 in a different way. Anyway, so we lost all knowledge and around the same time, the way we buried our dead also changed. So. Around the Middle Ages, the practice of wanting to bury the dead near martyrs and saints increased thanks to religion and the church. And so after exile, the dead were welcomed back into the city. That's because everyone wanted their dead body kind of near sacred ground, watched over by these saints that were either figuratively or literally owned by the church. So soon it became popular that the distinction between a church's abbey, that's where the cemetery may be, And the church courtyard was just synonymous, so it was like the same place. So the dead were kept not just in the church, but around it as well, wherever people, particularly poor people, could chuck a body close to sacred ground. You would find near churches, dead bodies under water spouts, sometimes in the walls of the church. It was extremely smelly around churches in the Middle Ages around the summertime because of the heat. The idea here was to get your body as close to saints and holy ground as possible. As a result, this courtyard of the church and other smaller buildings around it became like city centers. It was just kind of like the pop and place to be. So if you were transported there now, you'd hear music, see dancing, and even see merchants selling their wares. All of this while mass graves were being created for the dead bodies. And also dead bodies being excavated because the churches would regularly run out of space, and so the old bodies would get the scoot. So why this change? From carting the dead away to bringing them right on the dance floor. Well, as Christianity grew in the West, the idea of salvation was what people were after. Your dead body close to sacred ground, as I said, improved those chances. Furthermore, the logistics of how salvation worked was also really different. So, this is really interesting. Today, in Western Christian belief, the thought is, you die, your soul leaves your body, and heads towards judgment. And everybody is judged on a first-come, first-served basis. But the wider belief in the Middle Ages was that your body had to await the big judgment day. Like that big Sistine Chapel mural, end of days, everybody's kind of getting taken to... The rapture. The rapture. You have to wait for the rapture. So there was this sort of increased anxiety around your body making it to that point. So it had to be in the best place possible while your soul awaited judgment in limbo. That was the big distinction. You were kind of waiting in limbo for that moment, for that rapture. So churches did things like dug out mass graves, then dug them back up again, because they needed the space. And as a result, the church found themselves in positions of thousands of bones, which sometimes meant we got structures like the Chapel of Bones in Evora, Portugal, which is an entire chapel constructed from over 5,000 corpse bones. The monks who built this church, I could really get along with because the whole point of the church was to remind the increasingly wealthy population in their city that their status did not exempt them from the clutches of death. The result puts to shame even the most violent death metal album covers. (laughs) cemeteries as we know them today uh, graduated from the church to rural cemeteries in America, for example, and then finally into Park Lawn style cemeteries, what we see mostly in urban areas today. And that was kind of like as Americans uh, and Canadians, I suppose, uh, moved into cities. Um, This happened for a multitude of reasons as the funeral industry also grew more professional and more of the work was outsourced. So bodies stopped being buried close to home and were transported out of sight and neatly tucked away. So there was this division of labor suddenly for, for, uh, death. And there was a, a death in Finally, Um, So this division of labor labor meant funerals were not happening inside of American homes but inside of professional institutes and the style of cemeteries we see today are a reflection of that. Cemeteries have transformed a lot since the middle ages and the age of enlightenment but have only surged in popularity as proper burial became more feasible for families. The way we bury our dead, though, is noticeably more modern due to embalming. So something I would call the embalming industrial complex. Embalming is the practice of removing fluids in a body and replacing it with a myriad of preserving chemicals in order to slow the decaying process of a body. Embalming was first popularized or invented, I should say, in the USA during the Civil War. Families of fallen soldiers needed a way to transport the bodies by train to have a proper burial at home, and William Harvey invented the first embalming method to do so. So, uh, you know, imagine a battle taking place halfway across the country. That soldier deserves to, you know, a funeral by his family and his family is willing to pay to do that. But there was no way until embalming to guarantee that the body would not be rotting all the way on the train ride home to Alabama. Alabama, you know, so at the time, though, the most popular funeral was at home funeral, right? But with the rise of the industrial age, as I kind of said before, the West got used to uh, offloading the dirty, grimy, violent aspects of labor to someone else behind the curtain. The operators sold themselves, the funeral home operators sold themselves as keepers of death's secrets, the ones who take care of the gory and yes, unsafe practices of treating a body. And that's part of why we have this sort of gatekeeping thing now too, where people are afraid of dead bodies because we've never been able to see, um, you know, what goes on behind that curtain. The gatekeeping of this has resulted in embalming being something families see as a necessary thing. But for the record, it's not. A dead person does not need to be embalmed if you don't want them to be. And it's not unsafe for an unembalmed body to be inside a home for sometimes up to two or three days if you want to do that as a family member to say goodbye before the body is moved or anything like that. I just want to say that. Um, But our fear as a society of the dead has led us to... Um, get a body out of the place of death and into the hands of an embalmer or a funeral home director as fast as possible compromising an important time for the mourning family I'm walking down an alleyway that is neighboring the graveyard and there's just this like ten eight foot wall between life and death, the alleyway and the graveyard. And it is weird. It is weirder than even the just fence where you could see it. It's creepy. Hey, Sam in the studio here, uh, just cutting the music in case any Foley artists listening want to use these amazing step noises. You're welcome. I could hop over this wall, but then, but then what would I do once I'm inside? (laughs) I could. Is anyone around? I can see gravestones, I'm popping over my head, I can see gravestones. Hey, so me again. Um, so what you're hearing now is an absolute fucking square trying to do something remotely rebellious. The zoom recorder is being left on the wall. I'm huffing myself over. I'm in, I'm, in just, I'm indecisive. Like, what, what would I do once I'm inside? Oh my God, just go, bitch. could hop in, but it seems really disrespectful. It's creepy. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how obvious does it sound like I got regular nosebleeds as a kid, just wondering? Just run around in there? I'm scared. But don't worry, I finally did it. Okay, I did it. Uh, I'm in there. Is there security? I'm so scared. Hey, me again. So yeah, uh, I will say that this graveyard was scary and I am a spineless doink. Theatrix was a big deal for me when it came to graveyard, if I'm going to Laid to rest somewhere for all of eternity. I want the full experience. Okay? I want it ghoulish. I want it scary. I want it rickety. I want it haunted. I want it cold. I want it damp. I want barren trees. I want... I want it all. Okay. Well, I can safely say that the theatrics have been brought for this graveyard. This is the labored breathing of somebody who joined too many clubs in high school and a teacher had to pull them aside and tell them that they had to quit one. My heart's pounding, but not because it's a graveyard, but because I'm afraid I'm gonna get, I'm afraid I'm gonna get in trouble. Is Do they have roaming security in graveyards? Is that needed? Concern is remembering where I get out. Blair Witch Auditions, take one. Okay. Oh my god, guys, these gravestones are unmarked. I'm in like unmarked gravestone territory. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. There's little flickering lights on people's graves like the little lights they put on it but it's peaceful and nothing's really happening you just hear the cars in the road so this is part of my editing process where I had a bit of a mental breakdown because I thought everyone was going to call me Logan Paul for breaking into a graveyard and that even though I have amassed exactly zero following that I would somehow get cancelled and everyone think that this was in poor taste but then my partner assured me that No one cares, so I left it in. I don't want to overstate my welcome. So let's hop back over this wall. So after exactly nine minutes in the graveyard, I put my Zoom recorder on that cement wall again and hop back over into civilization. And I was immediately drunk off the power. We did it. We snuck in. We're badasses. We're podcasters, we're journalists. We're getting in trouble for our art. Yeah, I stayed around the perimeter, okay? I did, but I walked in a little bit and I was spooked. And I don't see anyone else in the podcasting space sneaking into graves, graveyards. Hmm? I'm an innovator, I'm a disruptor, I'm a disruptor. Well, if anyone wants to sneak into the cemetery, I know the perfect spot. Also, probably should be careful with this recording. It is truly proof that I've committed a crime. Okay, calm down, Al Pacino. Oh, someone's standing far away in an alley. I hate that something so creepy about leering people okay i've been trying to ask myself how i want to end this episode because obviously i have an interest in burial but i have to come clean i i don't think i want to get buried but I also just recorded a whole podcast episode all about burial and I don't want it to seem like I wasted your time. I hope you learned a lot. I learned a lot, but this podcast is ultimately about my death plan and I've been sure for a while and I was sure when I was going to the graveyard that I don't want to get buried. I think it's just not a fit for me. A lot of the burial that we see here and the traditional burial in a lot of its different forms, just feels really commercial. And I think that the ritual around it is really prescribed. I don't think it really gives me any sense of ownership over my death. It's a bit of a cliche to say it was capitalism all along, but I feel like a lot of the way that the funeral industry runs in the way that we see it at least where I live, is capitalist. I mean, the park lawn style cemetery and the way that um, companies kind of run how a traditional burial goes is profit-based. And that's really where I start to feel icky about it for me. What I want to know is, are there alternatives to a traditional burial? Is there other kinds of burial that I can look into for me? Are there totally outside the box ways of thinking around death for what you can do with your body? And I know for a fact that the answer is yes. And diving into them next episode is something I have truly been waiting for. Prepare to Die is an independent podcast. It's produced, written, and researched by me, Sam Sperazza. You can follow me online at Laughing across socials, including the TikTok, where I may or may not do the body aughty Audi challenge. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you. Happy dying.